This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Going back to Rose, being that it's today's Rosh Chodesh Sivan. I hope you all said Hallel. I hope you all said Hallel this morning. Rosh Chodesh Sivan. Okay. What happened? I'm wearing white shirt. I'm not in high school. Okay. So, I want to talk about Dabar Amelech, but to get to Dabar Amelech, I want to tell you something very fascinating about what it means. You ever hear, you ever hear, Bechas Hedyot? What that means? It means that that if you get a bracha from a regular person, it's also very important. Not just from a rabbi or a gadol or a kubal, but if someone just gives you a bracha, in fact, a man told me this morning, interesting, by davening, he said that um, there was this man and he went for a bracha, uh, he was sick, that he should have a full shalema, and the big tzaddik gave him a bracha, and he died. So, they went to the rabbi and said, we heard you give him a bracha, and Haftacha, you promised him that he'd have a Fushalema. He said, I know, but he didn't say Amen. So when someone gives you a bracha, for instance, many times, you buy a wedding, and someone says, Mazel Tov! Right? And that's it. Let me turn this off. Someone says, Mazel Tov! You're supposed to say Amen. Who says Amen? And I don't say Amen, right? So you have to focus that. When you get a bracha from someone, you have to say Amen. If you don't say Amen, it ain't happening. It's not coming true. Okay, so I'm going to show you a bracha of Hedyot that's in, in Rus that came so true, it's absolutely scary. And then we'll talk about David HaMelech. Okay. So let me tell you a little bit about the history of David HaMelech. So there's this whole, there was this whole big, huge argument if you're allowed to marry a woman from Moab. Okay, because the Torah says that you're not allowed to marry someone from Moab. That's what it says. The reason you're not allowed to marry someone from Moab is because they got a big problem with their DNA, spiritual DNA. What's the problem? That we went past Moab when we were hungry, coming out of Mitzrayim, and we were thirsty, and we asked them for food and drink, and they said no. No, we're not giving you food. We didn't, we're not going to war. We don't want your land. We're not asking you for money. Just want some food and drink. No. Now, that is called a kafaitov, an ingrate. Why? Because Moab came from Lot. And Avram Avinu went with Eliezer to fight the four kings because Lot was captured and he actually saved Lot's life. So, if Avram wouldn't have saved Lot's life, there would be no Moab. So, my great-grandfather saved your great-grandfather, and I'm asking you for food, and you're saying no? I'm not just a regular guy. My great-grandfather saved your great-grandfather. No. So the Torah says, very interesting, the Torah says that there are two reasons you're not allowed to marry someone from Moab. One, they were, ve- they were very immoral. Two, that we came and we asked for food and they said no. Now, listen to this. Very fascinating. It's in my book on spiritual DNA, which is not out yet, but it's going to be a very fascinating book. Safer. 
when when the Malachim, when the angels came to Avram Avinu, there were three angels, right? Now, the way it works with angels is they get one job, they leave Shemayim, they do their job, and that's it. They can only do one job, one job at a time. They're not, they, I, I guess they're not women, because they can't multitask. They're like guys, like, go to the grocery, right? A woman, she's cooking, feeding the kid, doing the homework. Women, multitask. Men, no. It's like, I'll feed the kids, but I can't do anything else. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll cut the lawn, but I can't do anything else. So I guess angels are not, are not, um, are not women because they can't multitask. So they, they, um, so they had, they had, they, they, they came three of them. The problem is, girls, that they had four jobs. How could three angels have four jobs if each angel only has one job? What were the four jobs of the three angels? One, to heal um, Avram Avinu because he just had a bris. Two, to tell Sarah and Avram that they're going to have a child. Three, to destroy Sodom. Four, to save Lot in Sodom. But you can't, but you can't, you can't have four jobs if you only have three angels because each angel only does one job. That's a problem. Okay, so one answer is that healing... Avraham, Malach Rafal, and saving Lot is the same, same angel. Healing, saving, it's like the same thing. But, uh, it's not. I thought it was the one that was going to destroy Sodom and also be the one to save No. No. Just saving and healing is one job. Now, no, destroying and saving is two different, totally two different jobs. So really, this is such a beautiful Dvatara. Really, really, they only had three jobs. Because, why was Lot saved? Why was Lot saved? Why, why, why was he saved? Because from him was coming Rus. From Moab was coming Rus. From Rus was coming David Melech. From David Melech was coming Mashiach. So, so because Lot, from Lot was coming Moab, that's why, that's why Lot was saved. But when the three angels came... To Avram Avinu, there was no job to save Lot. There was no job to save Lot. Now what happened that changed that? So the angels asked Avram Avinu, we see all this good food on the table, Ayei Sarah Ishtecha. Where's your wife? Right? You come to my house for Shabbos and you don't see my wife. Fish, soup, chogel, kogel, where's your wife? He said, Ayei Sarah Ishtecha. So Avraham Avinu passed in the halacha, Allah, Allah halacha, and he said to the angels, "Vihinai, she's in the ohel. She's not allowed to be serving you. It's not sniyut for a woman to be serving men. They're going to look at her. How, how your food is great. You're going to start a conversation." So Avraham Avinu said, "She prepared. She brought it here, but she, she's in her tent. She doesn't belong here in the room with us eating." It's not, it's not sneeze. It was just me, Avram, I, would, I eat with her. But when I have guests, men, just men, no. So girls, he paskin the halacha, listen carefully, that women are not supposed to serve men. Now, if that's the halacha, that women are not supposed to serve men, then the women of Moab were not supposed to come down and give the Jewish men to eat. Because Avram paskind, that's not what a woman's supposed to do. And if that's the case, the women didn't do anything wrong. 
And if the women did anything wrong, then why can't they marry into Klai Yisrael? So the basis of the... So that Malach, after Avram passed in Allah, he got a new mission. His original mission when he left heaven was just to give a refuah to Avram Avinu, not to save Lot. Lot was not supposed to be saved. But after Avram said, women are not supposed to serve men, and that's the halacha. Oh, he said, in that case, a, a, a woman from Moab could marry a Jew. So then Rus could be the, the great-grandmother of Dabon HaMelech. So then he had a new mission. It wasn't the same mission that he left Shemayim with. He got a new mission. Okay. So girls... What's the basis of Rus's ability to m- marry a Jew? It was based on Tznius. It was based on that a woman is a Tznua, she doesn't go out and serve men. So because it was based on Tznius, in her spiritual DNA, even though she was a Moravi, and they were immoral... But in her spiritual DNA, because Sari Imenu, Avraham Avinu passing that halacha, she was actually a tznua. And the reason that Boaz even looked at her and realized she was different is that all the other girls, when they picked up the wheat, they bent over like any other person. They bent over. If I, if I drop a tissue on the floor, most of you automatically are going to bend to pick it up. But really, if you're a tznua, you'll curtsy. You're not going to bend over in front of me. You're going to curtsy. Now, how many of you would curtsy if I dropped a tissue on the floor? Probably nobody, because not, we're not used to doing that, right? Maybe, maybe I don't think so, but we're not used to doing that. But Rus, because she came from Tznius, she only came because of Sari Imenu, because of Ramavinu said that, oh, well, which is Tznius, that a woman's not... So she had this DNA in her to curtsy. When he saw that, the Jewish girls were not curtsying. They were not curtsying. They were bending over. He's like, who's that? Like... Like, what makes Yaakov the Chigoro? Like, everyone's bending over and she's not. And that's why he got interested in who she is and then ended up marrying her and ended up having Dabra Melech and, 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 and the whole story. So the whole story is based on, on what's it called? On Tznius. And that's why she had this special midah in her DNA that came out that she was a Tznua. So one of the things you have to think about on Shavuos as a girl is outside of being Makabal Torah, to be Makabal a little bit extra in Yitzniyas. I don't know what that is. That's up to you. Because I'm not a Tzniyas teacher. Something. Now, Tzniyas doesn't only mean the length of your skirt. And Tzniyas doesn't only mean, um, it, it, you know, your shirt and your skirt and all that stuff. Tzniyas is how you talk. How you walk, how you talk, how you behave, how you treat other people. Modesty. Modesty is not only clothing. Modesty is a personality. Modesty is a, is, is a midah. So it, it, you might be fully dressed, and you're like, right, Wallstein, I'm a tznua. Uh, but you could change something, maybe, in how you talk to your parents. You don't raise your voice. You never curse, chas v'shalom. You don't listen to crazy, sick music. You don't watch things you shouldn't. Stuff like that. So it, modesty doesn't mean just... Modesty doesn't mean clothing. It means it, it's a whole personality. Right? There are, there are people who wear skirts down to their four inches below their knees, but the skirt is tight. So you're not modest. That's not modesty. Well, I'm covered. I know, but that's not royalty. That's not modesty. So she, she, this... Okay, what's modesty? Not serving men. 
You see, it's not, it had nothing to do with it had nothing to do with Sari Menu's clothing. Rome Vino Pasi, you're not supposed to serve men. So from that, from that came the whole Rus marrying Boaz. But she had a big she had a she had a just to show you who she was, show you what what Mido she had. She had a very big problem because us Jews, because of the Moavim women going down, it was a whole story. They may believe they were selling silk, but they were Zionists and they got the Jewish men to sin with them and serve a Zara and 24,000, the end of Pasha Bala, 24,000 Jewish men died in a plague because of Moavi women, because they were Zonos and they got them to do Averis. So we, 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 we don't, we don't trust them. They're not, they're not modest people. They're not, their girls are not, you know, normally they're not modest people. So the Jews don't trust the Moabim. You're, you're, you, you, you don't appreciate anything and your girls are a bunch of harlots. They just, they came down to the Jews and they, 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 they made believe they were selling silk. It's a whole long medrash, whatever it was. So we, we don't trust them. So when Rush showed up, this nice, sneestic girl, right? Curtsying, they're like, yeah, 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 who do you think you're fooling? <laughs> You're trapping, you're trapping us? You're doing what the other girls did? Because, by the way, they also started... It's a whole story. It's a crazy medrash. How did they get Jewish men in the Midbar after leaving... After getting the Torah and, and Kriyas Yamsuf? How would Zionites get Jewish men to, to mess with them? Like, they were on such a high level. They were getting money every day. So it's a whole story how they did it. They would have... So there, there was no silk. There was no silk. Silk comes from a worm. Silkworm, Right? And there were no silkworms in the desert. They don't live in the desert. So the Jews had wool from their sheep. They had wool. They had linen, right? But they didn't have silk. So what they did was, the, the Moavi women set up tents. Hundreds, hundreds, maybe thousands of tents. A shuk, selling stuff. What were they selling? Silk. And the men thought it would be very nice to buy their wives silk. When they were in Mitzrayim, there was no, they, they were Avadim, they didn't get silk. In the Midbar, there was no silk. So it's very nice, happy anniversary, you know, I'm going to buy you silk. But the, the Moavim was so smart, they knew that Jewish men, they're good guys, yeshiva guys, kailu guys, they're not going to go into some tent with a girl that's wearing tight clothing or no clothing or whatever they were wearing. Zainas, right? So what did they do? It's a medrash, you can look it up, it's brought down in the Mamlayas. They put an old, very old, like 85-year-old lady, co- totally covered, like nothing to look at at all. Not that, 80, I'm, not, I'm not bragging on 85-year-old ladies, don't get me wrong. But they made themselves, they made themselves look like really not, not attractive on purpose. And uh, they were standing at the thing like, silk, I have silk in my, in my tent. And they would have samples of the silk outside the tent. And if you want to buy some silk for your wife or from your family, please come into the tent. So the guy's like, this is not a problem. This is not provocative. I'm not, I'm not going to do anything with her. That's for sure. Right? This is exactly the trap. By the way, you can learn the trap from this. The trap of the satan. You get your, your technology and all your stuff to listen to Shiro Montora anytime. Or to go shopping on Amazon. That's what they do. The satan sets out at the tent. Come, let's go shopping. You know, let's do a little WhatsApp to your friends. But in the computer, on many different sites, there's a lot of bad stuff. I don't even want to use the word. There's a lot of nasty, nasty stuff to look at that 
you know, people didn't think that girls have that Yetzirah, but I can tell you that lately I'm dealing with a lot of girls that are watching movies that are not clean at all. For some reason, mommies think it's only boys that look at that stuff. Not today. Today, everyone looks at that stuff. And it really messes girls up because girls are emotional and they, it really messes with their minds. They don't really, after that, know what they, what they want, what they don't want. It makes them crazy. And it's a very big problem because on, if on the screen is a telephone number than Torah anytime. But in the tent, whoo, there's some bad stuff on YouTube. Some really bad YouTube. Ah, I'm getting YouTube. I want to hear music videos from Shlomo Kalabach. <laughs> so the power of the Sultan is what's in the tent, not what's on the not not what's on the outside of the tent. So there's a lot of other stuff. There's, there's atheism and liberalism, and there's a lot of isms on the internet. So they did so, so they didn't have internet, but they did the same trap, the same game. So now the guy's like, okay, I'll go with this old lady. I don't have no Yitzhara for that, right? I'll go in the tent and buy the silk, because only the samples were outside. He goes into the tent. I wish I had my, the, my, the measures to read you from inside, because it's nuts. He goes into the tent, and there's this gorgeous, beautiful, provocative young girl in the tent. You see, the lady on the outside is the salesperson, but the girl on the inside is the one who cuts the silk. And he walks in, and she says, Hey, hi, what's your name? My name? He's like, whoa. Shh, this girl is, whoa. And she says, um, I'm going to, how much silk do you want? What do you want? She says, um, you know, you're my cousins, because Lot was Avraham Avinu's nephew. We're cousins. She says, and you know, I never met a Jew before, and I heard about you guys. Amazing. It's Ryan, and you went through Kiesi Yamsuf, and you got the, the Bible. Could, could, we, could we make a Lachayim? together, just a little drink? You're thinking like, what? what could be wrong with a drink? By the way, that's why you're not allowed to drink wine that's not made by a Jew. It comes from this medrash. And she gets him drunk and once he's drunk she does stuff with him and she's not happy with just doing stuff. She wants him to serve Avoy Zara. And Moab serves an Avoy Zara, which is disgusting. It's called Balpa'ar. The way you serve it is you go to the bathroom on it. You defecate on it. That's the way you serve. So she says to him, I want you to serve my idol. He goes, no, no, no. I, 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 I messed up. I drank. I was with you. Oh, my God. I don't know if she's going to ever forgive me, but I'm not serving idols. She goes, no, no, no. I know you Jews are against idols. Go defecate on it to show you hate it. But that's the way they serve the idols. So they defecated on it. So this guy who walked in innocently, some old lady selling silk, ended up doing Gilead Raya, sleeping with her, and doing Avoy Zero. So we don't trust Moabi girls. We don't trust you at all. Shows up one girl from Moab. Curtsy. Tsnua. The boys are like, nah. We're not... We're not going for the old lady with the silk story. So the Medrash says they took her. The guys were so upset that how dare you, you're not Jewish and you're a faker. How dare you 
collect leket, which is for poor Jewish girls, you're a guy, get out of here. They picked her up, physically, picked this girl up with her tznua clothes and threw her over the fence, physically. They took her and threw David Amel's grandmother over the fence. Mashiach's great-grandmother, they threw her over the fence. After 120 years, they came to Shemayim. Mashiach's like, you know who you threw over the fence? Yeah, some guy. No, no, David Amel's great-grandmother. So that's why Boaz says to her when he meets her, that I will make sure that my boys don't touch you. And everybody asks, these were yeshiva boys, they were Shemini Gia, why would they touch her? He says, no. He, he said, I'll make sure they don't throw you over the fence again. So, they did not trust her at all. Boaz saw through it. And saw, yes, most Moabi girls, as you see by Arpa, which is a terrible medrash, that Arpa was, was her sister. Arpa was also from Moab. And the minute she let go of of Naomi that night she slept with a hundred guys that's not normal and a dog so a Moavi girl is a low life yeah and, 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 she, and, and when David HaMelech went to fight Goliath the giant by the way she became pregnant that night not from the dog but from one of those men and she had a giant his name was Goliath he was the giant that went against Kleistral that went against David HaMelech that he killed with a slingshot so Arpa, Arpa had, so they were actually cousins. They were cousins. David Melch and Goliath were cousins. And Goliath says in the Pusik, he says to David Melch, Goliath is coming with all his weapons and his helmet and his shield. And he says, and David Melch is coming with a stick. He didn't, Goliath didn't see the slingshot. He had it in his shirt. So he came with a stick. So Goliath said to him, I'll, I'll read it to you from the Pusik. What are you coming with a stick? You think I'm from the dog? He said, you trying to make fun of me? Because you know my mother, my, my mother slept with a dog, so you're coming with a stick because you think the dog got pregnant? It's a pussy. It's a pussy in Shmuel. I'm not, I'm not making this up. You can't make this up. That's what he said to me. You think I'm, a do- you think I'm coming from the dog? And they end up with a mouse killed. We're, 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 we're probably going to get there. We're going to try to get there. But anyway, um, <coughs> let's see. Yeah, yeah. Where are you? What's the bend these pages? It's right after this, right after this. Yeah, okay. Listen, listen to what the giant says to him. And then we'll go into what David... That was, uh, that was uh, the giant, Goliath. Vayabed HaPlishti, the giant Goliath stared at David, Vayiraz David. And he saw David, he made fun of him. Because David Melech was a young little boy. He was a redhead. He was very good looking, had very beautiful blue eyes. This was the son of Arpah, right? This is the son of Arpah, this was Goliath. He says to David, you ready? 
Hakelev anechi? Am I from the dog? Ki atah boy arrived at Maklois? Did you come against me with a stick? By a kal aplishti as David Belokov, and aplishti cursed them. Okay? So, you see that really, inherently, girls from Moab are low lives. A dog? A hundred men in one night? So, let alone, left alone, yeah, the Jewish kids are right. These girls are like totally out of control. So, Boaz believed. Boaz believed that she was real. Because we get I don't know if we're gonna get to this today, but Boaz knew the chesed that she did. Now because of this is the reason I'm telling you this story. The Jewish nation never accepted that you could marry a girl from Moab. The pu- the Pusik says Moavi velo Moavis. The Pusik says Moavi, and we learn from that. Boaz said Moavi is male, which means you can't, you're not allowed to marry a man from from Moab, but you could marry a Moavis, a girl from Moab. That's what Boaz Paskin and ended up marrying Rus. And one of my one of the most things that I talk about all the time because people think they know what they're talking about. They think they know what they're talking about. I just have a situation with a chassan and a kala who got engaged, and since they got engaged, everything that could go wrong went wrong. He fell down the steps, just, she got sick, think she got mono, like, since they're engaged, it's like the worst mazel, so her friend said to her, and her mother said to her, that they think she should break the engagement, because it looks like the two of them together, their mazel is miserable, um, a lot of things happened to the two of them, and the parents started fighting both sides about the wedding, and whatever it is. So the girl came, the girl came to talk to me, and she said, Ray Wallace, what do you think, should I break it up? Should I break it up? Everything's going wrong. And I said, just the opposite. If everything's going wrong, it must be your child that you're going to have together is going to be like some great tzaddik. Because if you two are going to be bad and do bad averis, the sultan would help you get married. If he's pushing you down steps and causing all this stuff to happen, it means he doesn't want you to get married. And if he doesn't want you to get married, it means that something really good's coming down the road. Just the opposite of what your mother's telling you, and just the opposite of what everyone else is telling you. Now, where did I get that from? Now, Wallstein, where'd you get that from? From this story. Listen to this. Boaz, Boaz I think, was 95 when he married Russ. Very old man. Okay? In fact, he says to her, you did two chasadim, you did two kindnesses. One is, you didn't leave your mother-in-law, and two is that you're willing to marry me. You're a young girl, pretty young, beautiful girl. Why would you marry an old man like me? He says it in the post. He says, there's so many young, handsome men. Why would you choose me? That's so nice of you, right? So, the whole Klai Yisrael said, Boaz, you're learning that you could marry Moavim and Moavis because you want to marry her. But you're going against halacha. The Torah means you're not allowed to marry a man or a woman from Moab. And Boaz said, you're wrong. Halachically, he was the Rav. And he said, no, you're wrong. So girls, he married Rus against what all the other Jews felt like. In in fact, there was a guy named Plony Almoni. And he was next in line to marry Rus. And he said, I am not interested in marrying her because... 
it's wrong, and I'm going to lose my children, no one's going to marry, and I'm going to lose everything, and therefore, um, I'm not willing to marry her. So Plotium only didn't marry her. And what happened that night? What happened that night? Wait, don't leave. You've got to hear the end of the story. Give her one minute. What happened that night? He gets married, girls, and the next morning, he's dead. He died on his wedding night. Now, what do you think all the Jewish people were saying at the funeral? Told you. Told you it was an Avera. What do you think Plony Almodi was walking around? Oh my God, I would have died. Oh my gosh, I'm so lucky I made that decision and I saved my own life. Now, girls, if, if, you, if you tell this girl, right, you, shouldn't, you can't marry this guy, you can't marry this guy, right, and you can't marry this guy, and you can't marry this guy, and all the rabbis say, you're not allowed to marry, you can't marry this guy, and the next morning she's dead, night of her wedding, you'll be like, we told her not to get married. She didn't listen. So at the Leviah of Boaz, they were like, Rabbi, you did a big sin. God punished you right away. And Plenty of Mourners walking around with his family. Hey! Tomorrow we're going to go to Great Adventures. You know why? Because I'm alive. I would have been dead. You know what they were saying in Shemayim the next morning? Baruch Hashem, the child of Moshiach, has now gone into the womb of Rus, because that night she became pregnant. He was only kept alive for that night so that from him and Rus would come a child, and from that child would come Yishai, and from Yishai would come Dabana Melech and Mashiach. So all fools, says the Medrash, foolish people, you're walking around and saying, Boaz did a big Aveira, that's why Hashem killed him. Just the opposite. Boaz did a very big mitzvah. And that's why Hashem kept him alive to this moment, so that she would become pregnant from Boaz. And the idiot, Plony Almoni, was walking around. I'm so lucky. You're not lucky at all, because you don't have anyone coming from you. No Dovah Melech, no Mashiach, nothing. So I learned from that, don't try to figure out what Shemayim is doing. Because anyone looking at that story would have said 100% he got punished. Got punished. He got rewarded, just the opposite. Okay. Anyway, but he died. And after he died, many of the rabbis said, made a big mistake, you're not allowed to marry a woman from Moab. So that means that all the children that came from Rus and Boaz, Oved, Yishai, David... Uh, uh, Yishai were illegal because if he wasn't allowed to marry Rus, the children are not they're not Jewish big problem so Yishai had seven sons and he realized that it may be that he has seven children that are not even Jewish so he said at least one of my children I want to be Jewish so I'm going to separate from my wife um, because he came from Rus, and I'm going to, he had a, a maidservant, a shifcha, and I'm going to marry my maidservant, and I'm going to be with her, and then I'm going to make her a ger, and then I'm allowed to be married to a ger, he's allowed to marry a ger, and then those children from a ger will be Jewish. So at least I'll have one Jewish child. 
So he's separated from his wife. That's it. We're physically, we're done. You're going to live in that house. I'm going to live in this house. And I'm going to marry. I'm going to, the maid servant's going to become a ger. And then I'm going to marry and then the children be Jewish. And that way at least I know if the other seven are not kosher, at least I have one that's kosher. What happened? He separates. But his wife, it says, Yishai never sinned, ever. Gomorrah says, never did a sin, ever. Like there's seven people who never did a sin, Yishai is one of them. His wife said, no. I can't let my husband sleep with a maidservant. So I'm going to do what Rachel and Leah did. I'm going to switch places with her. He won't know. The room's going to be dark, right? I'm going to sleep with him. And that way he doesn't have to be with a maidservant. And he'll think. He'll think, right? Whatever he wants to think. So she switched with the maidservant. She paid her a lot of money and sent her away so the maidservant would never tell her what she did. And she became pregnant. And it was impossible for her to become pregnant girls because as far as Yishai knew, she lived in another house and he never touched her again. Which means she committed adultery. She was still married. He didn't divorce her. He's still married to her. And she got pregnant. Must be you got pregnant from another man. Well, a woman who's married gets pregnant from another man. That's adultery. So whatever baby she's carrying is a mamzer. And Hashem, even though I told you once he doesn't have a sense of humor, maybe Hashem has a little sense of humor. All the children of Yishai and his wife were tall, dark them, brown eyes, black hair, very good looking, dark skin. And she's saying to Yishai, listen, I'm not carrying a mamzer. I switch places, the maid servant, he can't find out, she's gone. I switch places, da, 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 and therefore, I'm telling you, it was me that night. Okay, let's see what the baby looks like. It's going to be tall, dark, with brown eyes. Maybe it is, maybe it is from you again, because all my other seven are like that. But if it looks different, then it's the mailman. <laughs> what does Hashem do? This little baby is born white skin, blue eyes, with red hair. 100% it's not her child. And he's very embarrassed, Yishai, that he has a mamzer of a child. So he takes this little boy and he doesn't want anyone to know about it. And he hides him in the desert in Beis Lechem. And David becomes a shepherd. The little mamzer. Nobody knows about him. They know there's a mamzer. They don't know who, who gave birth to the mamzer. There's a mamzer in the desert. And stuff starts to be stolen in Beis Lechem. Things start to be missing. And everyone blames it on who? The mamzer in the desert. And it brings down that even though he didn't do it, it was a ganav, he had nothing to do with it. He paid everyone. When the stuff was stolen, he would pay them back and say, yeah, it was me. Even though it wasn't him. That's the... That's who David Amalek was. Now, there's a major problem here. There's a major problem. So, when 
the when the Shmuel, I love this. I think I told it to you, but I'm not sure if I told it to you. I love this. I love this. I love this because this is a lesson from all of us. And it, what goes around comes around because Hashem, by Rus and Boaz, was like, don't think you know what's going on. What you see is not what's real. Boaz died because I only needed him for that night. He didn't do anything wrong. From him is coming Mashiach. Because Hashem knows what's real and what isn't real. We don't. So now, when Shmuel comes to find the new king, because Shaul did what he did, he let the uh, Amalekis live, listen carefully. So he comes to Yishai, because Hashem tells him that the next king is coming from Yishai. Stop feeling bad about what's it called, about Shaul. The Lech Eshachal Yishai. Go to Yishai, and his son is the new Melech, and from him will come all the Malachim, all the, all the kings for the rest of the, for the rest of the Israel. Okay? So he comes, he says, Shalom, Shalom He says to Yishai, I want to meet your sons. One of them is going to be the next leader. Okay, who is the oldest, biggest, strongest, tallest, best looking? His name was Eliav. But Yomer, when Shmuel took a look at this guy, he was like six, eight, dark, handsome, strong. No, he's not around. He's not, you're not going to find him anymore. Um, they're thinking like, hey, if they read me, someone named Eliav, I'm going out. But Yomer, Achneged Hashem Shmuel made the mistake, girls. He thought, what you see is what you get. And he said, ah! I see the next Mashiach, this must be the guy. Oldest guy, strapping a good looking guy, right? Worked out. Don't look at his looks. And don't look how tall he is. He disgusts me, this one. So the Leo had a very, very bad temper. And Hashem doesn't like that. It's not how a person looks. Because when you look at someone and you make a decision, it's only your eyes. But Hashem, God says, I don't look at someone's eyes. I look at someone's heart. Okay, it's not a Leov. Let's call the next guy. Second son. And he came in front of Shmuel. Shmuel said, No, Gambazelo Bachashem Hashem did not did not pick him. Alright, his third son, Shama. His name was Shama. He said, No, Hashem did not choose him. And Yishai brought all seven sons in front of Shmuel. Shmuel there's something wrong. I had a Navua. God told me that one of your kids is the next king, and Mashiach is going to come from him, and I saw all seven of your kids, and it's none of them. Lo bacha Hashem be'el, Hashem didn't choose this. Something's very wrong here. You showed me all your kids. Hashem told me one of your sons is the next king, and it's not happening. Something's missing. So Shmuel said to Yishai, is there another one? Hey, tamu hana'arim? Is this all the kids you have? I got a feeling you're hiding something. 
There's one leftover little guy. Like nobody. Nah, it can't be him. If you know way about China, and he's he's in the desert, he's he's a shepherd. Um, I'm not leaving here until I see him. They sent for him. And they brought him, and he was a redhead. He had beautiful eyes. He was very handsome, but very different looking. Hashem said to Shmuel, Come get up. Anointed this the guy. Not the valedictorian. Nothing against valedictorian. But the Schmendrick in the back. Because you're looking at the Schmendrick in the back. I was the Schmendrick in the back. I definitely wasn't valedictorian. Don't judge a book by its cover. Now it's very fascinating because I have to tell you something. Whoever's coming into the Shabbaton. After the, after, and then I'm going to finish this share. It's going to blow you, blow your head out. Why I gave you this whole share. So after, after the terrible thing in Maron, everybody was looking to do something, tshuva, whatever it was. And my sister-in-law, who's a big shachan, especially on this, on this coming, uh, coming yantav on shvuas, um, went to the rabbis and said that I, I think that for the next three months, we should make a thing that boys do not get pictures of the girls they're going out with. That girls don't have to show them a picture on their resume. Yes. And they went to all the big rabbis, and all the big rabbis signed a letter. I also, I'm not a big rabbi, but I also signed a letter. And from now on, for the next three months, no shatchanim are allowed to show pictures of the girls to the boys. Now, I signed that letter, and I went to shul the next day, and a guy pulled me out and said, what do you think, we're, we're, we're a thousand years ago? Of course they should, the boys should be able to see the girls, and, 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 and you're, hurting, you're hurting the girls. I'm like, don't think I'm hurting the girls. I know my daughters didn't want it, you know, the pictures, because many times in life, you really are more pretty or, or look better in, 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 in life than you look in a picture. And what happens to Cain? There's no Cain in a picture. A guy, the mother sits there, she's got all these pictures. Nah, nah, I don't like her, I don't like her. I'm looking for blonde, I'm looking for... Ugh, there. That's what we're about. That's what the Jewish nation is about. So this guy started complaining to me. Now, you don't understand. If the girl's not pretty, so the boy's going to go out with her, and after one date, he's going to drop her. Isn't it better that he never goes out with her? It doesn't hurt her. No. No. Because... It's not about being pretty. This is, this is what I just read you in the Medrash. Hashem says, don't look that he's tall and he's handsome. And he's got a six pack. It don't matter. Doesn't mean anything. Look into the person's heart. Who's talking here? Not Shmuel. God. God is telling you if you want the right shidduch, don't look at his looks. Don't look at her looks. Look what's going on in her heart. And there's something that a Jewish girl has it's very special that you cannot see on a picture. Esther Hamalka, right? Even though when you're growing up as a little girl, you buy Esther Hamalka and she's pretty and a little crown and a fuzzy dress. She wasn't pretty at all, girls. Esther Hamalka was Hadassah. You know what Rashi says? Why? She was green. Not olive. Green? Green. Oh, she had an olive complexion. No, green. <laughs> And Achashverosh was with every woman in the world. 
Chinese, African, South American, did it matter? With every beautiful girl in the world, in walks a 75-year-old Jewish woman. No makeup, no perfume, no oil. It says very clearly, yeah, she was 75. Everyone thinks Esther was a little girl. She was 75 years old. Okay? So she walks in, every other girl is six months soaked in oil and perfume and makeup so that they would smell amazing. She said to Hey Guy, no, I, I don't do makeup, sorry. I don't do makeup, I don't do perfume, I don't do no oil. Because she didn't want to be chosen. She's, he was a guy, she didn't want to be chosen. So she didn't want to look good. And you can imagine how those other girls showed up dressed. Because everyone wanted to marry Achashverosh. They were very provocative. And they were every color, every race, every girl. And they were all young and she was 75 years old. So she comes in there and I'm sure she didn't uh, dance and, and be provocative and wear a short skirt and tight pants, whatever she is. No. She came in very, very sneers and she probably didn't even look him in the eye. Because that's not so sneers, looking a boy in the eye. Right? So he says, that one. That's the one I want to marry. What is the guy, nuts? He can get 18-year-old girls from the whole world? 75-year-old Jewish lady, nothing more Jewish lady, but 75-year-old Jewish lady, no makeup, no perfume, no nothing? Why? So the Pusik says, why, girls? Ki matzah chen be'enav. He saw something that a Jewish woman has that all those beautiful goyim, they don't have chen. So when a boy looks at a girl's picture to go out with her, he's only looking at the chitzanis, he can't see the chen, you can't see chen on a picture, there's no such thing. You have to meet that person. So a lot of the rabbis wanted to sign that they should never again be able to look at girls' pictures. Have a guy in his room, he's got 40 pictures of girls on his wall, on his wall. that's sick. Like, what, what? You know, Ma, get me some pictures of some girls. Like, what, what are you doing? It's not sneers, it's not whatever. So she pushed this, my sister-in-law. And, and for the next three months, because it's peer pressure, if every girl sends a picture and you don't, must be you're ugly. Why wouldn't you send a picture? So the guys think like, why isn't she sending me a picture? Because she's a snua. Nah, she's not a snua. She's probably downright ugly, so she's not sending me a picture. So because everyone else was sending the picture, and this one wasn't sending the picture, there's crazy peer pressure. So the girls who were really snua and said, I'm not sending no boy on the internet. My picture's going to be all over the place. I'm not doing that. They didn't get shaduchim. Because she must be hiding something. So from this passage, Hashem tells Shmuel HaNavi, stop looking at what he looks like. And it says, he's tall, he's handsome, dark, brooding, brown eyes. Woo-ha! No. Look into the heart. Now, why did I give you this whole share? I started off with a random comment. And my random comment was that when someone gives you a bracha, even if they're not a rabbi, you should say amen. Because a regular person's bracha comes true. Listen to this, and we end with this. At the end of Rus, and whoever's listening, and you're not on my Shabbaton for some reason, on my Shua's tone, then say this over in your house. So, when 
Rus gets married to Boaz. So all the women who were invited to the wedding, they came to the wedding. And, they, you know, when, when the girl sits over there, you know, with the badecking on the chair and the white, right? So you go up, you get a bracha from the, you get a bracha from the kala, and you give a bracha to the kala. I want you to hear what the women, what the bracha they gave to Rus. Uh, 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 uh. The bracha was like this. The woman that's now marrying you, Boaz, should be like Rachel and Leah, that they built Klai Yisrael. What was the bracha they gave? They gave the bracha that it should be like who? What did Rachel and Leah do? Switch places. How did David Melech come into the world? Same way. When, David, when, when Yishai's wife switched places with the Shifcha. So they gave a bracha that it should be like Rachel and Leah and exactly what they said happened. It's exactly like Rachel and Leah. We see from here that a bracha, even from a plain person, comes true. And from that bracha came David HaMelech, and from David HaMelech comes Mashiach. You should all have a good yantiv, and hatzlocha, and bracha. And it's an interesting thing. Girls ask me, how come we don't have a mitzvah to stay up all night? You guys... Get everything. So anyway, Ornava, and I got, I got into a little trouble. Ten years ago, we started in Rabbi Weinfeld's shul that, that uh, what's it called? Um, Shuas night, we give shiurim from 12 till 4. A lot of, there were 200 girls there last year. So some of the rabbis, when I first did it, said, you can't do that. It's, it's, like, it's like women's rights. Just because guys stay up all night, you can have girls staying up all night, and they're walking in the street at 2 o'clock in the morning, and it's, it's women's liberal and women's right. And I asked my Rav, and he said, no, 100%. They should, they should also go learn. Why not? Why shouldn't they learn? But why don't you have a mitzvah to learn Shuas night? Because the reason men have to learn Shuas night is, believe it or not, we overslept the morning we're supposed to get the Torah. And because we overslept forever, we have to stay up all night. But guess who woke up the men who didn't get up on their own? The women. The women did not oversleep. And therefore, the women are not, they didn't do anything wrong. They also didn't do the Egel. There's a lot of things. What? It's punishment to the men. Yeah, so now you ask me a question, everybody. What's the question? Even though girls in the back row, what's going on? What's happening? The whole sheer. What's going on? The phones in the back row. So, no, I could be talking about that back row. You don't know which back row I'm talking about. Yeah, it's actually that back row. But anyway, so you have to ask me a question now. If you're focusing on the shear, you have to ask me a question. I just told you that the guys overslept. You just accept that? No. They're getting the Torah that day, they overslept? Come on. No, the women were all up. The women have to get up early to feed the kids, so... They all slept, they overslept. Right, so that's a crazy... No, they should have gotten up and 
themselves. They had to get up on themselves. You know, we don't like to marry. Um, we don't like to marry our Rebbe. That morning they got up late. I should have given you the Torah that day. Come on, I wouldn't sleep a whole night. I wouldn't sleep a whole night. So I'll tell you a very interesting, very deep answer. They felt, the men felt, that as an awake human being, there's no way that they could get on the spiritual level to be able to hear Hashem give us the Torah. They believed that it would be in a dreamscape. In other words, you go to sleep, and it's sort of like a nevuah, that you're in this comatose state, whatever it is, sleep state. And when you're in a sleep state, your neshama is out of your body, Right? So they didn't feel that the body was holy enough to get the Torah. So they felt if I go to sleep while we're sleeping, that's when this whole thing is going to happen, which was a big mistake. Because the whole greatness of the Torah is that while you're a human being, you make a bracha when you eat. You're not a malach, you're not an angel. They thought, i got to be out of my body, i got to be in a dream state, and then I'm going to be able to get the Torah. That's not why Hashem gave us the Torah. The, when, when, when the malach and the angels didn't want to let Moshe take down the Torah... The, the, the Hashem said to the Malachim, you don't have a father. We, we, how could you have kibbutz of aim? You don't eat. So how could you not eat, you're not allowed to eat milk and meat. So, so the whole thing of the Torah is that it has to be given to human beings. So the mistake they made was they thought the more I'm, more I'm sleeping, the more I'm out of my human body, the more I'm going to get the Torah. Wrong. The Torah is for, for people that are awake. So they made a very big mistake. And because of that, we stay up a whole night. Men stay up a whole night. Women don't have to, because they, they didn't do anything wrong. You also you also didn't do anything wrong. You don't have to stay up. Well, we have shirim all night, but you don't have to. They didn't they didn't do the they didn't do the eagle either. The men came and said, "Can I have your earrings? Can I have your bracelet? I want to make it an eagle." They said, "You gave me that for my anniversary. I'm not giving that to you." They, they didn't give me anything. The men at that point were wearing earrings. Don't ask me. I don't know, but they were wearing earrings. They took off their earrings. And the eagle was made totally from the men's jewelry. Not the women we did not give up one drop of jewelry. That's why you say Shasani Kitsono, you're the will of Hashem. Guys are not. We just say Shalai Sani Isha. Thank you, you make me a woman. I don't want to give birth. I don't go through that. And the real reason is because we have tillin and sitzes and minion, and we have all these mitzvahs that women don't have. So we say thank you, Hashem, even though I'm not your will, but at least I have these mitzvahs. All right, looking forward to seeing whoever's going to be there, and everyone have a good yontif. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.